starting a new series here called By Design, and I want to let you know where it started. Uh, When I started my sabbatical, um, I wanted to read through the entire Bible in 90 days, and I do just like you. I started at Genesis and thought, I'm going to start there and get reading, and I don't even think the airplane had landed, and we had left for our sabbatical, and I had already been inspired for this sermon series. And uh, it comes from Genesis, and uh, we're calling it By Design, and I want to let you know that This is a series that, again, as I was reading Genesis, it just jumped off the page to me. We get on our sabbatical, and I meet a a pastor from New Zealand, and he preaches a sermon that lined up right with what I had just been writing down. And so I took all of his notes, and I told him I wouldn't give him any credit because the international copyright laws don't apply to New Zealand. But anyways, uh, his name is Martin Steele, great friend, a new friend that we met on sabbatical, and uh, he helped me out with this and helped me to write it. And I, I so appreciate it. But as we get ready to jump into this series, I'm going to ask that the ushers here and at all of our campuses would uh, do me a favor and go ahead and uh, pass out the Legos to everyone. I want everybody in the church uh, to get a Lego. Now, you only get one Lego. And uh, I want everybody to have that. You'll hold on to it. There's a purpose for this. And uh, I'm going to want you to hold on to your Lego. And um, in the next couple days, well, really in the next... 30 days if we do a four-part series here. Um, I want the the Lego to speak to you. I want you to put it somewhere in a prominent place um, where you'll be able to see it, um, where you, you know, and you can be reminded about this and about all that's going on. And I hear Lego pieces clinking around everywhere. How many know it was a good idea when I thought of it? Not so good right now. But anyways, pass out the Legos and uh, get them to everybody and uh, then we'll get rolling here. Hold on to it. We're good to go. Here's what I noticed when I looked in Genesis. I noticed that God has designed us with certain things that we are supposed to do, that we'll be happy when we're doing, that are part of us, that are part of our DNA. And I was looking at the original mandate that God gave to Adam and Eve. And I noticed this, and we're gonna, in this four-part series, here's what we're going to cover. The first part we're going to talk about that we are called to build. That's why I gave you the Lego piece, and we will get to that eventually, all right? It's part of our DNA. It's part of our design. It's part of who God made us to be, that we are to be builders. Then in week two, we're going to look at the fact that God has called us to be people that will beautify things. God has called us to be people that will beautify things and make ugly things around us beautiful, all right? There's a little bit of an artist in all of us, and I want to embrace and validate those that are in the arts, and I want to let farmers and social workers and um, people that are handymen and uh, work with just people and wanting to fix people's lives. I want to let you know all that is really art when you're taking something that is ugly. Maybe it's sinful or ugly or just out of order and you bring order and beauty to it. Maybe you create out of nothing and you make something beautiful. That's actually part of the DNA that God placed in us. And we're actually like God when we make things beautiful. Okay. 
Um, in the week three, we're going to look at we are blessed to be a blessing. That God has blessed us to be a blessing, not so that we can hold it all for ourselves, so that we can hoard it upon ourselves. And we'll see that a lot of people uh, get blessed in life and they want to make a name for themselves. And that week we're going to look at the Tower of Babel and the fact that there are all these uh, people in the Bible and the Tower of Babel. They're like, let's build something for our glory and for our honor. And God's like, no, when I bless you, I want you to be a blessing to others and I want you to do these things for my glory and for my honor. And then in the last week, we're going to look at this. Um, we were made to be with God. Because as I was reading through Genesis, I was realizing that um, we were made to be with God before everything else. He's like, I'm with you. We're spending time together and I'm giving you these responsibilities and I put my image in you and on you, but I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. So in this series, we're going to look at this by design. And uh, it's almost time for your Lego. I think they're all passed out. We're ready to go. But reading with me in Genesis chapter 1. Like I say, didn't get very far in my Bible reading. And all of a sudden, boom, it jumps off the page to me. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit within it with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now there's a lot there and there's also more in Genesis chapter 2 that talks about us working and that we're supposed to care for what God has created. But there's key words there, rule, be fruitful, increase, fill, subdue, work, care for. And I want to tell you this, that God has put these things, these, these really spiritual DNA made in his image. It's part of who we are. And when we operate in this way, we're going to find that we're going to be happy, that we're going to be fulfilled, that we're actually uh, aligning with the way that God has designed us. And I want to tell you this, as we start week one, grab your Lego. If you're holding your Lego, take a look at your Lego. You are called to be a builder. We serve a God that is a builder. We have God the builder. We have Bob the builder, but we have God the builder. How many know? If you raise your kids, you know, and you can tell how old they are based on the cartoons that they watch, you know, Bob the Builder, Dora the Explorer, Daniel Tiger, Bubble Guppy. How many know you know where they are according to that? Those of you that have no idea about Bubble Guppies, your kids are either older or you don't have kids. All right, so. But we have God the Builder, and he said, I've placed within you a desire to do this. I have, uh, there's, it's like a spiritual DNA in us to want to build something. And we're going to take a look at that. But if you put kids uh, in a room long enough, how many know that they will turn that room into a fort? The couches are coming off. Uh, the cushions are coming off the couch. The chairs are getting tipped over. There's a blanket over that, a tarp, something. There'll be a sign, no adults allowed. How many know? You just, you just give them enough time, they're going to build. It's just, you put 
uh, the Legos in front of kids, they will just naturally start to build. Uh, amazing stats on Legos. As I was looking at a, a good illustration piece for us to have, Legos were designed in uh, 1932 by a Danish carpenter who went bankrupt. And just a side thought, have you ever noticed that sometimes the worst day in your life leads to the best discovery of your life? This guy's bankrupt, probably like, I can't build houses, I'll build toys. I'll call them Legos, you know? And next thing you know, the guy's making toys and toys and toys, and the worst day comes a great day. The word actually means play well, or in Latin it means I put together. I put together, Lego. So these little things are amazing. There's actually 62 bricks for every single person on the planet right now. 62 bricks, and you're like, yeah, my kid has yours. All right, I get it. There are 434 billion Lego pieces in the world right now. 434 billion Lego pieces right now. There are 8 billion, they are building 8 billion a year right now. 8 billion a year. So for about 50 years, they've been building 8 billion. They build 2 million an hour right now. Isn't that amazing? How many wish you would have invented Legos? 2 million an hour. There are 306 million tires that they make with Legos just, just tires. That's more than any tire company in the world. Little Lego tires. This blew me away. Every year, children spend 5 billion hours playing with Legos right now. There's something within us. There's something in us. You, you couldn't invent a toy that would get 5 billion hours if there wasn't something within us that says, I want to build. I want to put things together. I want to I do this. Lego's uh, mission statement is this, to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. That's what they want to do. And I'm thinking, I, I claim that over our kids' ministry. You know, go kids, to inspire and develop the kingdom builders of tomorrow. That's what I believe. And I'm just, there's just something there. There's something that we want to play, we want to build. And, and I found this article in the uh, in a European paper. It wasn't Christian at all. And it said, if you're an adult that loves to play with Legos, your hand is the hog. And I was like, what does that mean? And it said, the hand of God you want to create. Again, this wasn't a Christian article. This is a secular article. And it said there's something beautiful about Legos because it allows us to satisfy that need to take chaos and bring order. There's something beautiful about Legos. Again, secular article. And it says there's something beautiful about Legos because it allows us to delight in the possibilities. And I believe that God has put within all of us a desire to bring chaos and, and go to chaos and say, I want to bring order to this. I, I, I delight in the possibilities. I want to build something for you and I, I want to do something. This is part of who I am. It's a design in there that says, I don't want to stop. I want to keep moving forward. And when we look closely at the words that are used in Genesis chapter 1, as we start off with this series, he says, be fruitful. He says, be fruitful. And that word means to realize the potential that is within. Do you realize that God put uh, the potential in you to be made in his image? You're made in his image with this potential to build and to do something. He says, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to understand the potential that is there and what I placed within you and what you're capable of and what I want you to accomplish in life. And it's so sad that other voices start to beat out the potential in us and when we don't realize that we're supposed to be fruitful and we start to think that we're just supposed to occupy and exist and God's like, that's not what I have for you. I have so much in you. I have dreams that I want to work through you. I have things that I want you to build. I have things I want you to do. Yes. 
be fruitful. He says, I want you to increase. I want you to become great. The word means to become great and to grow and keep growing. You got to grow and keep growing. And I'm telling you this, that part of your DNA is to keep growing and keep thirsting and keep wanting more. And if you approach your walk with God, like been there, done that, know it all, I'm telling you what, you are on the slow death slide. You are made to keep increasing and to learn more and, and to get more and to understand God more. I mean, this week, I just, I don't even want to go into it. It's a whole other sermon thing that God was just personally working. I was blown away at being justified in Christ. And I was like, for three days, I was like, this is incredible, Lord. This is so amazing what you've given to me and God imparting Christ's righteousness to me. And I didn't do anything other than receive grace. And it was blowing me away. And I was like, this is so incredible learning more about you. And as I read in my devotion time, I was increasing. And God's like, I want you to keep building your faith and build. It's in you. There's a DNA that's there. He says, I want you to fill the earth. And he was saying, I want you to replenish and accomplish and it's interesting, this word fill actually means end what I started. End what I started. God's like, I started it. I put this Garden of Eden prototype, I put it right there for you, and I want you to go ahead and build, and, and I want you to keep going, and there's an end thing, but I, want, I gave you the opportunity to build on what I started. God's like, I put it in you. He's saying, I, I want you to subdue things. I want you to take control I want you to bring the, the order to the chaos, and I want you to take control. He also tells us in Genesis chapter 2, uh, the words that he uses there are work and care. He wants us to work and to care. The word work means work. That's what it means, work. He wants you to work. And the word care, it means this. I love this. It means make it great. Make it great. He's saying there's something about you being on this earth. I want you to make it great. Your, your attitude, your posture, your thinking should be, how can I make this great? If I'm here on this earth and I'm to be a good steward of it until Christ returns, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do the best that I can. And I want to say this, that I think Christians should care about the environment. Okay? And I know there's a tension there, like, well, I don't know. I mean, you got the environmentalists, and then it almost seems like that's their religion, and they're, you know, this and that. I'm, I, I know there's a tension there, okay? But we still need to be good stewards of the environment. We need to take care of it. We need to beautify it. We need to make it great. We should be for clean water. We should be for wonderful forests and beautiful things, all right? And I understand there's a tension there, because here's where the tension comes in, when people want to control through um, the environment. And they want to control people's spending and habits and other things because of this. And I will say this, I mean, you know, I, I see all this stuff and I'm paying great attention to, you know, uh, climate change, global warming, whatever it is. And I mean, I'm just saying, I know that when I grew up, it was cold and it's cold now and snow and snow and not snowy day. I get it, travel the world and I see scientists debating it. But I'm telling you, I grew up and it was like, we're all going to freeze to death, buy an SUV. And then it's like, we're all going to boil to death. Don't buy an SUV, buy a Prius. You know, I'm just saying that was only like 20 years ago. And so I'm watching this and I see this. And I will tell you this, when I see these people on TV telling me that I need to change my lifestyle and then they jump in their private jet, it's hard to listen. I'm just saying, you know. If Leonardo DiCaprio starts riding a bike, I will pay attention. That's all I'm saying. But, <laughs> but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that the church will be the ones that will lead the way and God will give us the best energy ideas. You know, I mean, 
before engines were invented, people were wondering, like, what are we going to do with all these horses and all the horse manure that's piling up? What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden they solved that problem, and they got, you know, engines. And then we're like, all right, what are we going to do with this? Now, I'm just telling you, there's innovation. There's innovation. And I just believe that it could happen, and I believe we should lead the way. And wouldn't it be amazing if the next George Washington Carver uh, of the environment came out of River Valley or, you know, was a kingdom builder or was at least part of the body of Christ. You know, if George Washington Carver can say, these peanuts are, to, are, are blessed and there's something good there and I got to convince people to not plant the cotton and to plant the peanut, and he comes up with 300 patents from a, a peanut, you know, I'm just praying that there's somebody that could say, Lord, teach us a way to make energy out of that, and then they strike it rich and give to kingdom builders. All right, so... But we ought to care. He's saying you should care. You should care for this. And he says you need to work. It's part of your DNA. It's, it's in you. And I want you to take care of this. And the word for work that's used in the Bible there, it's, it's actually the word cultivate. And it's, it's a word that is used for worship. It's a word that is used for worship. Many times in the Bible, the same exact word is used for worship. And it just puts a whole new context on Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not human masters. I'm telling you what, we're working as unto the Lord, and it's a form of worship. And by the way, did you know that work was pre-fall? Before man fell, he was working. So don't say, well, I don't want to work. It's a punishment. No, hard work was the punishment. Hard work was the punishment. Work was a blessing. It was a way for you to say, I'm, I'm doing what I was created to do. I was, I was called to work. Matter of fact, I was talking to one of our inner city ministries that we support. And he said, I thank God for all the support that we give. But the most important thing we do is help people break out of inactivity and get back into work. He's like, it's one thing to help them when they're down and out and we want to help them, but we don't want them to stay there because we've noticed that they don't spiritually flourish while they're staying dormant. When they get to work, they start to spiritually flourish. Why? Because it's in our DNA. It's in the spiritual way that God has made us. He told us to work. And so anytime that we're sidelining millions of people saying don't work, that's the wrong attitude. The attitude is we want to help you now, but we want to help you get back into the way you were created to work. It's a beautiful thing. We were made to build. We were made to care. We were made to work. We were made to grow. And anytime we don't do that, we're actually fighting against creation. Think about that. You're fighting against creation of the way that God created man. And so instead, we should be leaning in and saying, I want to build, I want to care, I want to work, I want to grow, I don't want to stop, I want to keep moving forward. And I'm telling you, there are dangerous things that I, I know it's different for everybody where you, you want to settle. But I'm telling you, don't settle. I'm just going to give you what I know as a pastor. When the church got to 200 people, I had a temptation to settle the church. I'm just being very real. 200 people, I finally got paid. Praise God, that was beautiful. I finally had a youth pastor that was getting paid and he had to do all the things I didn't want to do. Amen, that was awesome. We had somebody answering the phone part-time. It was a great time, you know? And it's kind of like, I could just chill right here and God's like, I want you to keep working. And even as I started to just think about slowing down, I was like, I want, there's more in me. I, it was just natural. I wanted to do more. I wanted to keep moving forward. Fast forward, the church gets to about 1,000. Now an uh, enemy shows up in my life called pride. And it's like, just chill, take it easy. Throw that number around. Go to pastor's conferences, say, we're 1,000. You know? 
And God's like, you're never going to be happy if you stay still. I've called you to do more. I've called you to reach more. I've called you to do more. I've called you to build. Rob, you are a builder. And I, and I, I could just feel the excitement that as the challenges would come there, I'm like, let's go do more. Now we have eight campuses, you know what I say? We're barely getting started. That's what I think. We're ready to go do more. We serve a building God. And we're building it for his glory. We are building it for his glory and his honor. And we are moving forward. I'll tell you something, sending me on that sabbatical was a, a really good thing because, man, I got bored with golf. I mean, I was like bored with nothingness. I was like, I got to get to work. And, and the rest was beautiful, but I was like, I don't think I ever want to retire. And some of you were like, when I said, I'm good for another 15 years, some of you were like, is that all? All right, I'll work longer, but I'm not going to, I'll move over a chair or something. You know what I'm saying? But I just feel like God has created us to be builders and to work and to go for it. Grab that. Where's your settling spot? Where's your settling spot? Are you building? Are you fighting against the way that God has created you? Because Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now let me be very clear. You don't get saved by works. But anyone that is saved, that is forgiven, wants to work for the one that has saved them. And so he's like, God's prepared for you to have works. Remember, he started the DNA in us spiritually. We give our life to Jesus Christ. He's like, I put within you this DNA. Go for it. I mean, what is it that God has called you to build? I mean, Noah built an ark. Abraham built a family. Joseph built a, a sustainable economy. Moses built a tabernacle. Israel built a nation. Solomon built a temple. Nehemiah built a wall and brought security to a people. Esther built an escape plan for a nation and had the boldness to stand up. Jesus built his church and continues to build his church. And he's saying, come on, build it with me. You were called to be a builder in every area of your life and to keep growing and to keep moving forward. And as you do that, you will find the pleasure of God. You'll find your purpose. You'll find that meaning and your life will go to another level. Now, I just want to say this. We, we have to be out there working and, and it'll go to another level. And I want to say this to the millennials and the younger generation. You're called to work with us. You're called to work in the church. And there's a, a lot of people like, well, I really feel really strongly about that. I'm going to Instagram and I'm going to tweet about it. I'm definitely going to. And I'm going to say this. Raising social awareness is not the same as building and working. All right. I'm just saying a friend of mine, he pastors the church in Colorado and he said, hey, we got some people that are moving and uh, they need some help. And uh, if you could sign up. And he said, none of the younger generation really signed up. But they said, hey, I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to blog. I'm going I'm to Instagram. He said, no, 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 no. I don't need your tweets. <laughs> I need your back. Get here. You know, he said, if you're 20, you're called to help lift their furniture. All right. And uh, all right, get the point here. You got to get involved. We all do. And you're never too old to be involved. You need to be involved. You need to be out there. I remember when I went on my first missions trip, I was 15 years old, and it was with Teen Missions, and their whole motto was Teen Missions, the shirt said, and it said, get dirty for God. And it was out, get out there, get in the trenches, go build something, go make a difference, get your hands dirty. And that's what God would say, go out there and get your hands dirty, get involved and be a part of it. And you may not be exactly where you need to be, but I'll tell you what, as you're busy with the opportunity that's in front of you, God has a way of opening doors. Okay? 
But just as a side note, for those of you that uh, build with your mind, God is, you can do more with a click of a mouse than, you know, you could ever do with a hammer. How many know a hammer in my hand is an accident, right? All right, but in some people's hands, like Dave Dudley, my wife probably just amen that. That's where the laugh came from. Yeah, a, a hammer in my hand is for hanging pictures. I'm going to tell you that. But there's people like Dave Dudley. He builds a lot of things around our church. For him, a hammer is like a tool to build something absolutely amazing. Okay? But whether you use your mind or use a hammer, thank you for being a builder. Thank you for being a builder. Let's build together. What have you been created for? What are you created to help build? God has a plan and he doesn't just haphazardly throw it around. He's got a beautiful plan. Matter of fact, I saw a picture of a, of a social experiment that they did just in a suburb outside of London. They had no plan. I thank God that God has a plan for you. Ephesians says he has works that he created for you in advance. He knows what he, he already has a blueprint for you. He already knows what he wants you to do. And you need to discover that and get involved in it and be a builder. But they did a social experiment in London and they, they built this house and they, or this thing. And they said, here's the rules. Anyone can build. There's no blueprint. They said, there's no speaking while you're building. And we're never going to complete this. You can always keep building. Go ahead and show the picture of what they built. I mean, you take a look. Beautiful. Who wants to live there? That's not how God has your life figured out. He says, I've got a beautiful plan for you. I've got a blueprint for you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to build your life up in your faith. Every one of us can build our faith. And God says, keep building your faith. Don't ever stop. Keep being that builder. There's DNA, DNA in you to do that. If you have a family, God says, build your family. Moms and dads, do your children look like that house ark thing that we just saw? No plan, no blueprint, or are you saying, God, I will be the faithful parent. I will do what I'm called to do. I will raise my children in the ways of the Lord. I want to build them. You could build your vocation. There's, I, I believe you should be the leaders and the experts, and you ought to be the, the best workers, the first ones they call on. I really believe that. I believe that you can continue to build and grow and say, God, help me to use this for your glory and for your honor. I believe that God has called us to build his church locally and around the world. God says, build my church, build my church, be at work. And I'm telling you, honestly, as, a, as your pastor, when we first started the church, I'll be honest, I wanted you just to work because we didn't have anybody working, okay? And I hadn't even thought through all of it. Like, it really wasn't for the best of you. It was just like, we need somebody. Will you help? Now my Maturity has kicked in. And I honestly, really, you, you can't grow. You won't align with what God has for you unless you're building. And, and if you're not using what you have, your talents and your glory, for your, your talents and your abilities for his glory, you're going to stunt your growth. You're fighting against creation. You need to be involved. When you bring people, how many know that all of a sudden when you bring someone, or you lead someone to faith in Jesus Christ and you're building the church, there's an alignment. It's like, I was here to build your church, Lord. I've never talked to one person yet that ever led somebody to the Lord and was like, yeah, I led them to the Lord. Oh, that wasn't that good, you know. Don't know why. They're always like, unbelievable. Because they're aligning with what God said to do to build. You can build your community. 
You can build your community. And I think we ought to be lights in our community. I think we ought to be the people that are so involved in our community, they love us. And I would share this. When our Apple Valley campus went to buy the building that Apple Valley is currently in, the city was going to oppose us. Most cities don't enjoy giving up uh, land and making it tax-free. Matter of fact, we need to pray for Minneapolis, Edina area, um, Woodbury and Egan. All of them are in temporary facilities. They're going to need a breakthrough. It would not be a wasted prayer ever to pray for one of those campuses and pray for a breakthrough for the land or the building or whatever because it's a spiritual battle. But I'm telling you, when Apple Valley Campus was going to the city council meeting, I remember Pastor Anthony Richards was with me, and they told us before the meeting, like, we're not going to approve it. We're not going to, you know, it's just not, sorry, it's not going to happen. And then right before the meeting, they opened up the meeting. They said, hey, we just want to say this. Uh, We're going to open the meeting with this kind of change of heart. We love River Valley. They're building with us. They're building in the community, and they're a light with us, and they're making this place a great place to live. And they're a team player with the community and they're involved and they're building and making this a, a great place to live and we love their church and so we just wanted to start out the building uh, meeting right now and say all approved, all in favor and I was so riled up I almost said, I object but I was like, what in the world? How did they change their mind? It, it was only God and they said, you know what? You're building with us. Build your community, make it better. We're gonna talk about that next week when we make it beautiful. And lastly, let's build culture. Let's build culture. Again, we'll talk about that more next week. Let's build culture. Instead of pulling back and retreating, let's engage and let's say, we're going to put out the best art. We're going to put out the best songs. We're going to put out this. We're going to be involved. We're going to be salt and light in this culture instead of pulling back. God has put it within us to be out there making a difference. So I want to pray this over our church. What do you need to build? What do you need to build? So Lord, I pray right now that you'd help us to realize there are things that we need to build. We need to build our faith, our family, our vocation, our our church, community, and culture. We need to build. We are builders. You're a building God, and we will be happy when we're building and growing and continuing to add on to what you've already started. So I say, Lord, that we will be builders. And right now, Lord, I pray a special blessing upon all the men and women that use their actual physical hands to build. They have a trade or a skill. And, and I just pray a blessing on them. I think many times they feel overlooked in the church. And I pray that they would realize that their hands are beautiful as they build for your glory and for your honor. They may build a house, a deck, something else, but Lord, they are using their hands for your glory and your honor. And I pray for those in the trades. I pray for those that use their hands to build people. I think sometimes teachers and those that use their hands to, over, to, to build people feel overlooked and they may not receive a paycheck anywhere near what their hands are building. But I thank you, God, for those people that are building people. I thank you for those that are entrepreneurs and dreamers and build and create where nothing is. And they say, I can make something out of this. And they help employ a bunch of people. And I pray a blessing on the entrepreneurs in this church and leaders that provide for so many. Thank you, Lord. We are builders. And I thank you, God, for every person that says, I will be a builder in this church. I will be a builder. More than a kingdom builder, I'll be a builder of your kingdom. And so I pray a blessing on them. In Jesus' name, may we build and build and build. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen.